0: you're able to join us. Um, so if you want to, you can fill out a little visitor's card with all your good information on it, and we'll be sure to reach out and give you a nice big welcome. Um, otherwise, let's see. Um, let's go ahead and say a prayer for the offering, okay? All right, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the generosity, the love of this church. We thank you for your protection and provision, Lord Jesus, and I'm just excited to see where these funds take us in the future. In Jesus' name I pray, amen all right just a few announcements to go over um first off if you missed the baby shower thingamajig don't worry you're not too late we still have some lovely little cards that you can um, scan the qr code you can get on and pick out a couple of things um, to help with our kids classes and uh, yeah that'd be greatly appreciated and another thing we have um, anybody graduating for the spring do we have any graduates in here? I know there's one. Yeah, there we go. Okay, if y'all have any graduates, (laughs) um, you need to let us know because we want to celebrate y'all. We want to make y'all feel loved, and it's hard work, and man, you did it. You got through it. (laughs) Another thing that we have going on is, um, let's see, we have a Connect class. There it is, the word yeah, I was waiting for it. <laughs> Coming up April 30th, um, so stay after the service to go ahead and um, yeah, get all taken care of. If y'all wanna help volunteer in the church, yeah, we'd love it, we'd love it. Otherwise, yeah, I'm just excited to see what today brings. So thank y'all. All
1: right, I wanna welcome a family that's visiting us this morning, uh, from, all the way from Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, yeah, it's a little colder there than it is here. Uh, they've let me know. So let's have Jeff and Marisa and their daughters come up. Uh, let's, excellent. Yeah. So we've gotten a chance to get to know them over the last couple of days. And um, it can't be all wrong if his name's Jeff. So, I mean, there's something about Jeff's. Now, a funny thing happened. Uh, We were at lunch yesterday and uh, uh, Marisa says, hey, Jeff, can you get me a chocolate milk? And I just naturally thought it was me and reached in and got her one. And and then she's looking at her husband and I'm like, oh yes, there are are other Jeffs in the world. It's not just me. So anyhow, uh, uh, Pastor Jeff is gonna give us the word this morning, but first he's gonna introduce his family. thanks, Jeff, thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, Good morning, church.
2: We, uh, we are so delighted to, uh, to spend this weekend with you all, and we've just loved spending time with Pastor Jeff and his wife and with uh, um, and uh, with Pastor Steve and Barbara. It's just been so wonderful in getting to know them. We got to know uh, Pastor Steve uh, a little while ago, probably the last six months, and uh, we've gotten a chance to get to know them a, a little bit, and that has been wonderful. And getting to spend some time with other folks in your church this weekend has been such a delight for us. And to get to familiarize ourselves a little bit with the city of Albuquerque has also been wonderful as well. Let me give you an introduction to the Anderson, uh, the Anderson family. Of course. Okay,
1: that's why it keeps All
2: right. I need special instructions apparently on how to hold a microphone. This is our youngest daughter, Isabella. Isabella Isabella is a senior in high school, and uh, she's super fun, funny. She's creative. She's a bit of a a fashionista and loves things like design and art and creating things. And uh, she's also got a real sensitive spirit and uh, uh, real, um, uh, yeah, just compassion for people that we really love and and are proud of. And this is our older daughter, Olivia. Olivia is a uh, a junior in university, and uh, her goal, her pursuit, is to finish her undergrad at university and then go on to law school and to be a lawyer. And uh, right, right. And uh, so um, uh, Olivia is is someone who just loves righteousness, loves justice, loves God, and uh, we're just you know so proud of her as well. And uh, this um, this is not. This is not a sister. (laughs) This is my beautiful wife, uh, Marisa. And uh, Marisa's definitely the glue that holds our family together. And uh, I just love her so much for all that she brings to my life, obviously, and and to our family. And she's also very creative and charactered and determined and uh, loves God with all her heart and loves the church with all of herself as well. And uh, just love her so much. So that's a little bit about our family. I'll let my wife introduce herself a little more.
3: Good morning well i just want to say thank you guys so much for your lovely warm welcome here i mean we walked in today And you guys are such a warm, friendly church. And I just gotta tell you, that is not a characteristic of every church. You gotta know you have something very special here. And it felt like walking in the church doors from our home church where we have lived all of our lives and being welcomed and greeted. And like Jeff said, we spent a great couple of days hanging out with Pastor Jeff and Sarah and some of the team and um, volunteers here. And can I just say, you guys have an incredible interim pastor. I mean, honestly. to hear about the journey that your church is on and to see what he has done as a man who works full-time and then is part-time here, and then with his wife, Sarah, and the team of volunteers. You guys have such an incredible, incredible team of people in this church. And I just wanna honor that publicly. I'm sure you already know that. I'm sure you already are so I'm proud of the men and women that God has placed here in this place but I just wanted to publicly acknowledge you guys have got an incredible team and they are absolutely anointed and charactered and spirit-filled and we have loved spending our time getting to know them we have loved getting to get kind of a little bit familiar with this land of enchantment and uh, we've never been to Albuquerque before, and we've just loved spending the last couple of days here. So, thank you for your warm welcome. Thank you, Pastor Jeff and Sarah, for your warm welcome. It's just been such an honor to be here.
2: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: All
2: right. Just quickly, you know, pretty much uh, all of our lives have been centered around Jesus and his church. Our home church, Living Hope, uh, has been my church since I was 15 years old. And my wife uh, was literally... Born. Uh, Her parents were the pastors of Living Hope, and so she was born uh, as a part of that church. And so our lives have pretty much been centered around Jesus and his church. I wanted to be a pastor uh, literally since I was a kid. I was telling Jeff yesterday that in uh, the early years of my family being Christian and following Jesus, my family was Catholic. And uh, when I was, I remember when I was really young wanting to be a priest. And thank God, he let us. He led us somewhere else where uh, I could serve him as a pastor, but also have a family. So I, I, I went and studied uh, theology at uh, Portland Bible College, and we have been serving our church in various ways and in various forms of uh, leadership for the past 25 years. And, uh, you know, over several years... Uh, we felt that God was doing something in our heart and that he wanted to open the door for us uh, To a new place and into a new season and so probably about a year ago uh, We really felt the Lord not only Kind of indicating that he wanted to open the door into a new place or new season in a new place But that now was the time when he wanted to do that and uh, you know, we were chatting, you know It's, uh, it's always neat to see the ways in which God will confirm his will to us. Am I right? And uh, I remember that uh, we were chatting with a, a couple of mini- uh, who are ministry friends, and we were just asking them some questions because they had just recently gone through uh, a similar set of circumstances where they had left a role that they had been in for about 13 years and moved on to something else. And so we were just asking them, like, what was that like for you? And how did you know, you know, when was the right time to, you know, take that step and just kind of seeking them for some wisdom and some counsel. And one of the things that they said to us was this idea that sometimes uh, the nest needs to become uncomfortable in order for the bird to kind of jump out, right? And there was something about that Picture of the nest and the bird and the nest becoming uncomfortable for us that just kind of stuck with us that was meaningful to us, so you know fast forward a number of months and we uh, you know continue to pray, continue to talk, continue to seek God finally we get to the day where we sit down with our lead pastors at our church and we say to to them that we really feel that this is a god time for us that he wants to Open the door for us into a new season in a new place. And so we're going to take the step of faith and see what God has for us. We don't know yet where we're going to go and where this is going to lead, but we feel like we need to take this step and we feel like we need to do this now. And so we inform them that we would be leaving no later than the end of the calendar year and give them a lot of time for, you know, finding replacements and training and all, all the details, right? So we do all of that. It's this big, exciting moment. We're stepping out and everybody should be excited, right? Not this guy. <laughs> I remember literally like the next day, I, uh, I go for a walk around our neighborhood. My oldest daughter comes with me and we're chatting and talking and talking about what this whole season is going to bring about for us. And I remember that when we finished the walk and, you know, she goes to wherever she goes to in her house, I literally said to the Lord, oh my God, what have I done? Right? And I uh, was just kind of feeling this weight of there's no going back. It's like you can't put the toothpaste back in right once it's out, right? And uh, so this sense of we don't, like we've just, we've taken this step because we think we're following God's will, but like who knows, right? And uh, so funny thing, literally two days later, we met with another couple that was planting a church in Hamilton, the city where we're at, and we had gotten to know them a little bit. And we met with them for dinner and we're chatting with them about Hamilton and about building a church in the city of Hamilton and just trying to encourage them and build them up and, and answer any questions that they had. And when the evening came to an end, we, uh, you know, we prayed for them and you know I was ready to get up from the table and, and leave. And uh, this gentleman's uh, wife, her name is Claire, she said, uh, can I pray for you? Now, this was only the second time that we had ever met this couple in terms of spending any time with them at all. And they don't, they don't know anything about any of the details of, of our lives. Nevertheless, that we had just two days before told our church that we were going to be stepping down and launching out into this new thing. Claire says, can, can I pray for you guys? And so of course we say, yeah, for sure. So she begins to pray and then she stops and she says, I just saw this picture of a nest that was shaking. And these birds that were going out of it, he said, I felt the Lord say to me, tell them you've been in this place for long enough, it's time to go. And I was, yeah. I was literally, I opened my eyes, I looked at my wife and I was like, did you tell them about like what we're, I was, flabbergasted, right? And then, you know, fast forward a couple of months, and I'll wrap this up, but fast forward a couple of months, and a couple of weekends before uh, our last weekend at Living Hope, we had prophetic meetings at our church, which we hadn't had in a number of years, and And so when uh, we were up to receive ministry and the four of us are sitting up on the platform and the prophet, who was another uh, couple that we had never met and knew nothing about us, and he stands up and he comes over to us to prophesy over us and he puts his, his hands, I think, on my shoulder and he says, I don't know, sometimes the bird just needs to leave the nest. So. God is faithful, and He's good, and He always has a way of confirming His will for all of us, right? Because He loves us, because He cares about us, and uh, ultimately, He's going to bring about His plans and His purposes for our lives. Amen? So over the past several months, our family has been on a bit of a sabbatical while we've been awaiting God's direction for the next season. We spent about three months in Southeast Asia, based in Kuala Lumpur, and traveled to a handful of different places. And, uh, and then we spent the last couple of months in Tuscany and Italy, enjoying really great pasta and uh, really great views of the Mediterranean uh, Sea. And, you know, in, um, in all of the unknowns and the uncertainty, we have so sensed that God has been setting us up. And uh, and that God, God will be faithful. That God is, without our knowledge, without our awareness, that God is setting us up. That He's writing our present chapter in order to prepare us for the next. Because He's good. Because He's faithful. Because He loves us. Because all of His promises are yes and amen in God. Amen? And so today... Um, I want to share with you a couple of thoughts from a passage of Scripture that's appropriate for uh, the week after Easter. And my goal here today is to convince you of one thing, and that is that you are being set up. That you are being set up by Jesus. That God is writing your story. That He is arranging all of the details in order to set you up for all that He has prepared for you. So we should look to Him. We should receive what he has for us, and we should say yes to him. Amen? Can we pray? Father, we just thank you today for your sweet presence here in this place, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, for your grace. We thank you for the reminder today that you are with us, that your promises are yes and amen, that your purposes for us will prevail. We thank you more than anything that you are with us, in every season, that in everything, that you never fail us, but that you are with us. We ask today that as we dive into your word, Holy Spirit, will you open our eyes? Will you open our ears? May we see what you want to show us. May we hear your voice speaking to us, and may our hearts receive the seed of your word, that it may bear good fruit in our lives. We thank you for it in your precious name. Amen. Just before I jump into what we're going to, uh, to the scripture that we're going to look at today uh i just want to share with you and kind of in line with what marisa shared and you're going to see i think this is aligned with what uh i've prepared to share with you today and and also just through what this holy spirit was speaking to us today through the worship but uh before we came into the auditorium this morning we uh, stopped in at the prayer room and the prayer team was praying for us and as they were praying for us I felt the Lord drop something in my heart uh, to share with you today. And so I just let me do that and then we'll jump into the scripture today. And uh, as we were being prayed for today, I just, I felt the Lord say to me, tell them, I see you. I see you. I want to tell you, church, God sees you. God hears you. God knows you. And I want to tell you that over this weekend is we have spent time with a number of people in your church and your leaders and Pastor Jeff and Sarah and Pastor Steve and Barbara and as we've just spent time with different people in your church. Listen, we have been, I say this in all honesty, we've just been so impressed with your leaders and with how your church has navigated this season. And I feel like the Lord wants you to know that um, your faith has risen like a sweet smelling aroma and that you have his attention. He sees you. He hears you. He is faithful. And he is the God that when we cry out to him, when we fix our eyes on him, when we lift our faith to him, he comes to us. He's coming, church. Amen? All right. So... Uh, today we're going to look at uh, scripture that we're going to look at is John chapter 21 verses 1 to 19. And uh, if you're going to navigate that there to in your Bible or on your device, uh, you can start to do that. but before we jump into that, I'll just let me set the groundwork here. Have you ever noticed that certain places can stir really vivid memories and even feelings and thoughts? Have you ever noticed that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, uh, About a year and a half ago, or yeah, about a year and a half ago, some friends of ours, we took like a long weekend vacation uh, near Banff, which is in, uh, in Alberta. And uh, Banff happens to be like about a three and a half hour drive from a small town in the middle of the Rockies in Cranbrook that is called, uh, in, in the Rockies in British Columbia, named Cranbrook. Now Cranbrook is this little town that I lived in until I was about 11. So being really close with these friends who are really close to us, one day I said, you know, do you guys want to see Cranbrook? We could drive down there. It's a beautiful drive, you know, through the middle of the Rocky Mountains, and we can go to Cranbrook. And then you can see some of the places that, you know, where I grew up and get to know a little bit about Jeff's history. You know, we had this joke, right, that one of the things, fun fact about me, is I'm afraid of mushrooms, You heard that right. Not, I don't like them. I'm afraid of them. What I mean by that is, is uh, when I was just a little kid, I don't know how old I would have been, like maybe six, seven, I'm playing in the backyard uh, of our house in Cranbrook and I'm eating mushrooms uh, out of the backyard, right? Enjoying some mushrooms out of the backyard and uh, not the garden, just the backyard. And uh, my mom, she sees me and she comes to the door and she says to me, Jeff, don't eat those mushrooms. They could be poisonous. Well, all of a sudden, for like the next couple of hours, I'm like making, I'm tying up all my loose ends. I'm making peace with the world, right? I'm, I'm ready to depart, right? And, uh, and so I'm thinking, I'm, this is it for me. This is my life, flashes before my eyes very quickly, and uh, I'm about to meet my maker. And from that day forward, no more mushrooms for Jeff. So. We would always joke around with our friends about me not liking mushrooms and being afraid of mushrooms, and so we go to Cranbrook this one day, and so I'm able to drive around Cranbrook and say, here's where I went to elementary school, and here's where my my grandparents lived, and here's where my parents grew up, and here's, you know, the church that we went to, and then I'm able to say, and here's the house where I ate the mushrooms in the backyard, and this is why I don't eat mushrooms to this day is because of what happened in the backyard of this house. And I was really struck driving around Cranbrook all these years later at how being in all these different places stirred such strong emotions within me and such strong memories. Because places have the power to do that to us, don't they? Or, how about this? I don't know if any of you have ever felt before like you're being set up. Have you ever felt that way? Like say for a surprise party. How many of you have ever been on the receiving end of a surprise party? Right? So, a couple of years ago, I set up my wife on a surprise party for her birthday. And so, you know, what she doesn't know, of course, it's a surprise, is that out of her sight, out of her knowledge, I'm setting up all of these details. I'm inviting people, I'm arranging the place, I'm arranging for food, uh, I'm collecting money from a bunch of different people so we can go in on a really great gift. I'm making other arrangements, all because I want her to have a moment that is going to be meaningful in her life. to celebrate her and to give her something that she's never going to forget. And uh, I think I pulled it off. I think it was a really great event for her. I think it was really meaningful for her. It wasn't just about the surprise. It was that. But I had set up a number of other details that were meant to just bless her and encourage her and let her know how much she is loved and and, and honored and, and yeah, and just how much her friends and her family love her. And the whole thing was me behind the scenes setting her up, right? Many of us know what that feels like in various types of ways, right? What I want you to see is that what we're going to see here in John chapter 21 is Jesus giving Peter this kind of setup. It's a setup of memories, and it's a setup of kind of surprise, if you will, or a well-orchestrated encounter that happens without Peter knowing it. One more quick preamble. Luke chapter 5. I'm going to want you to keep this in your memory when we start to look into John chapter 21. Luke chapter 5 tells us about the first moment that Peter starts to follow Jesus. And what it tells us is that uh, Jesus is teaching some people on the beach and Peter is in his boat and he's been fishing. He's been fishing all night and he hasn't caught anything. And Jesus gets into the boat. They push off a little bit from the shore. Jesus wraps up his message. And then he says to Peter, hey Peter, why don't you throw the net out over on that side? And Peter says to Jesus, listen, I'm a fisherman by trade, and I've been fishing out here all night, and we're tired. We want to go home, and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll throw the net over onto the other side. And so he throws the net onto the other side, and they, there's this miraculous catch of fish that comes. They can hardly bring it back into the boat. And Peter's response in that moment is he recognizes that I'm in the presence of something, someone here, that is holy, that is special, something that is transcended here. And he falls to his knees and he says to Jesus, he says, depart from me, get, get away from me, Lord, because I'm a sinner. And Jesus instead lifts him up and he says to him, no, no, from now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And then it says from that moment on, Peter, along with some of his friends, they followed Jesus. Now listen, this is what I want you to remember, is that in Jesus' day in first century Jerusalem, when a rabbi or when a teacher, when they invited someone to follow them, they had to go through a pretty rigorous series of tests and interviews. And as the rabbi or the teacher was observing and listening and analyzing, what he was wondering within his own mind was, do I think this young man has what it takes to be like me and to do the things that I do? And if after listening and analyzing and hearing and discussing and all those things, if the rabbi or teacher's conclusion was, yes, I believe this young man has what it takes to be like me and to do the things that I would do, he would say to that young man, follow me. And so Jesus has this moment where Peter is saying, get away from me, I'm a sinner. And Jesus' response is, no, no, from now on, you're gonna be fishing for men follow me. What's he saying to Peter? He's saying, young man, I believe you have what it takes to be like me and to do what I do. Amen. So we fast forward about three and a half years of being with Jesus and Jesus is crucified. He dies. He rises from the dead, which is what we celebrated uh, last weekend. In Mark 16, it tells us that Mary Magdalene, she shows up at the tomb where she encounters an angel who says to her, go and tell the disciples and Peter. The angel specifically mentions Peter, says go and tell the disciples and Peter that they are to go to Galilee where they will see, uh, that I've gone ahead of them to Galilee where they will see me. Notice that. I've gone ahead of them. Almost like Jesus is making some arrangements while he waits for them. And so in John 20, the previous chapter, John is going to lay out over these two chapters three separate appearances of Jesus to his disciples after the resurrection. The first happens on the evening of Easter Sunday, of Resurrection Sunday. The disciples are all gathered in a room, the door's locked because they're terrified of the Jewish authorities. Jesus shows up in the room. He speaks peace to them. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And he says to his disciples in the same way that the Father has sent me, now I send you. Now, if you know the story, you know that Thomas was missing that night. We don't know where he was, but when the disciples said to him, Thomas, we saw the risen Jesus, he says, I I don't believe it. I don't buy it. And unless I actually see him with my own two eyes and feel the wounds with my own fingers, I will not believe it. And so one week later on the following Sunday, Jesus shows up in a room. The disciples again are gathered. The doors are locked. Jesus shows up and has his encounter with the disciples and with Thomas. Sometime soon after that, the disciples all make their way back to Galilee because that's Jesus has told them, go to Galilee. And so they make their way back to Galilee, and we don't know what they're doing while they're waiting for whatever happens next. But I can't help but wonder, what's going through Peter's mind? There must have been a lot of wonder and excitement and anticipation. I mean, Jesus is risen. What he has seen is amazing. And yet there must also be some fear and some doubts, some confusions, some questions. What's going to happen now? Well, let's see. John chapter 21. We're going to read verses 1 to 19. We're going to stop maybe a couple of times just to give a couple of quick comments here. Starting in verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because the large number of fish. And then the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. Thanks, Peter. Right? They got all this fish, they can't bring it in. Peter just jumps into the water and goes swimming, leaves them to clean up the fish. So, net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards when they landed. They saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and he dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 to be exact. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? For they knew that it was the Lord Jesus. He came, he took bread, he gave it to them, and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Okay, so let's take a look at this quickly here. So the disciples, they're hanging out in Galilee. They're waiting for whatever is going to happen next. It's in this moment of waiting. Not knowing of all the uncertainty that Jesus is out of sight, behind the scenes, unknown to them. He is making all the arrangements. He is orchestrating a moment of encounter for Peter that will be life-changing for him. It's a well-choreographed setup. Let's take a look at the first. There's actually two setups here. We'll look at the first setup, and that is that Peter goes fishing. So we've read this already, that they go fishing, they catch nothing. In fact, let's take a quick look here at comparing what we talked about at the beginning in Luke 5 with what we see here in John chapter 21, because this is the setup. We see that in Luke 5, they were fishing on the Sea of Galilee. In John 21, they're doing the same. In Luke 5, they fish all night, they catch nothing. In John 21, the same. Jesus shows up in the morning. Now, that's a message right there for another day. But Jesus shows up in the morning, same thing in John chapter 21. Jesus tells them to cast their net one more time, which is followed by a miraculous catch of fish. Same thing in John chapter 21. Here's where it gets a little different. In Luke chapter 5, Peter's instinct is to push Jesus away, is to distance himself from Jesus. He falls to his knees and he says, depart from me, Jesus, because I'm a sinner. But in John chapter 21, something different happens. No, no, Peter jumps into the water and he goes to Jesus. What a difference three and a half years makes, right? Finally, in Luke chapter 5, it says that Peter, uh, that Jesus lifts Peter up, and Peter begins to follow Jesus from that day forward. And we'll see what happens with that, if that comparison holds true. But I wonder how many of us here today can relate to Luke chapter 5, Peter. That when we consider our own sense of guilt sometimes, our own struggles with sin, our own feelings of shame, our own insecurities, our own fears, our own discouragement, our own disappointments, if we don't have moments where our instinct is to distance ourselves from God. How often do we do that? I know so many times in my life when I've needed Jesus the most. There's been this internal instinct that has wanted to distance myself from him when what we need to be is John chapter 21, Peter, who will jump into the water and who will go to him. Who will go to him. We see here that the remedy to our guilt and our shame is to spend time with Jesus, not distance ourselves from him. Spending three and a half years with Jesus taught Peter, I don't need to be afraid of this man. I don't need to be afraid of him. This man's not interested in condemning me. He's not interested in making me feel guilty or making me feel less about myself. He doesn't have that kind of agenda. I don't need to be afraid of him. Listen, church, we don't need to be afraid of him. Despite our failures, despite our shortcomings, despite the moments where we're not at our best, we don't ever need to be afraid of Jesus. How do we learn that? Just by spending time with Him. The more time you spend with Him, the more you discover, I can trust this man. I can trust this Jesus. I don't need to be afraid of Him because He is for me. He is for me. In this setup Jesus brings Peter as well as the disciples who were there he brings them full circle in their relationship with him right you see the connection that they've had this encounter that's just like the first time they would have caught this they were slow we see that clearly in the Gospels but I think this even this was too clear for them to miss entirely to bring them full circle Because Jesus wanted to remind them of who he is and of who they are in him. A lot has happened since that fateful day in Luke 5, right? Three and a half years, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of twists and turns, a lot of highs and even a couple lows. And Jesus wants to declare to them, but I haven't changed. My love for you has not changed. My promises have not changed. My purposes have not changed. Have you ever noticed how easily we can allow the difficulties and the disappointments in life to change and not for the better, our sense of who Jesus is and of who we are in him? Come on, church, we need to not allow that. But we need to renounce that, resist that, reject that. My difficulties, your difficulties, our shortcomings, our failures, none of that changes who Jesus is. And it doesn't change who we are in Him. It doesn't change His promises. It doesn't change His purposes. He will remain faithful. How many of you have ever been tempted in a moment where you feel like you just have fallen short, and you internally can even question whether or not, you know, this lie comes that makes us think that somehow the love of the Father towards us has been somehow diminished, as if that was possible. I felt that way before, like I'm not worthy of God's love and somehow, how can it be that He loves me the same way that He did before, I just messed up really bad, right? And we can sometimes be tempted to measure God's current feelings towards us by our current set of circumstances or how we feel about our current level of faith or righteousness. I remember a number of years ago, this is so appropriate, just coming on the heels of Good Friday and Easter, a number of years ago, hearing someone who said this, he said that um, your circumstances are not a statement on how God loves you or how God feels about you. The cross is God's statement on how He feels about you and what He thinks about you, Amen. Let's continue to the second setup that Jesus uh, choreographs. Yeah, the elephant in the room. This is—I know it's kind of male-female here, but you know, this is like uh, Peter and Jesus imagine, or you know, with this elephant that's kind of there in between them there. We'll carry on. It says that when John, says that when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And Peter responds, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And so this begins a really uncomfortable conversation between Jesus and Peter. And he starts it, Jesus starts it with a really, really uncomfortable question. Conversation with a really uncomfortable question, right? And uh, the question that Jesus asks is, he says, "Do you love me more than these?" Not, "Do you love me?" But, "Do you love me more than these other guys?" Weird, right? You know, if we took, if we look back just a handful of chapters in John, in John chapter thirteen, it's going to say this. In John chapter 13, it says, uh, Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. What's the point? The point is this. If Jesus asks Peter this question just three weeks ago, Peter says, yeah, of course, absolutely, I love you more than these other guys. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm sure they love you, Jesus. They're all committed, we all love you. Everybody here loves you. But if you ask me, do I love you more than the rest of these guys? Absolutely, I'm ready to lay down my life for you. But Peter can't say that anymore. His actions have now betrayed him right? And so now he can't say that. And so Peter does something interesting. He actually doesn't answer the question. Because the question Jesus asks is, do you love me more than these? And Peter simply responds by saying, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter's saying, let's, let's not talk about that. (laughs) We, we know, we know the answer to that question. And Jesus responds to Peter by saying, feed my sheep. We won't dwell on this much in this very moment, but notice the connection between uh, Jesus' question, Peter's response, and then Jesus' commissioning of Peter. We'll see that through all three questions here. Continuing on. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. It says that Peter was hurt. I think in this moment, you know, Peter recognizes what Jesus is doing, right? There's this threefold question. Jesus repeats the question three times, once for every time that Peter had denied him. And Peter gets this. And I think in this moment, Peter is feeling the, the weight of this moment, the gravity of this moment. I think he's feeling the, the sting and the sorrow of his own guilt. And even though he knows that he can trust this Jesus, that he is safe with this Jesus, that Jesus is not engaging in this conversation in order to condemn him, It hurts. Sometimes the surgeon's knife hurts, but it heals. And so it says that Peter was hurt, but I don't think that this hurt is a damaging hurt. In fact, I think it's a healing hurt. It's a moment where, because it's the moment where, like, the elephant can't get off the couch and out of the room until we address that it's there until we deal with it. And Jesus loves Peter too much to just let that thing linger. He knows Peter enough to say, if we don't deal with this, this guilt, this shame, this hurt that is within my friend's heart, it is going to eat at him, and eat at him, and it will rot him away. And it will stop him from entering into the fullness of who I have made him to be and the fullness of what I have called him to do. And so Jesus loves him too much to just let it linger. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves us too much to just let it linger? But he's willing to have the uncomfortable conversation with us. And the hurt that we feel in those moments isn't a hurt that damages. It's a hurt that heals. Because the heart of Jesus towards his friend Peter is to say, I want you to know my forgiveness, and I want you to experience my healing. And I want to restore the relationship that you and I have, because I love you, because we're friends. That's what Jesus is doing here. So... Jesus moves on and he says to Peter after this encounter, he says, very truly, I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying to Peter, do you remember that time when you told me that you would lay down your life for me? You think you blew it. But your day is actually coming. You will have that chance to make good on your promise. You will in fact lay down your life for me. But when you do, because I'm calling you, I'm commissioning you, I'm sending you to feed my sheep, in that moment there will be a day you will lay down your life for me. But not only for me, you will lay down your life for the sheep that I have entrusted to you. Why? Because a good Shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then Jesus says, Follow me. Follow me. What's he saying? He's saying, Peter, I still choose you. Peter, I still choose you. I still believe in you. Peter, when I look into your eyes right now, I believe that you have what it takes. To be just like me, and to do the things that I do. I still choose you. Follow me. Follow me. Listen, the same Jesus, the same Jesus who showed up on a beach in Galilee 2,000 years ago, He's showing up in your life to set you up. Why? because he loves you, because he's all in for you. Listen, if Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, if He is the Alpha and Omega, if He is the initiator and the finisher of your faith, then you better know that He is right now writing your story. He is orchestrating your setup. He is positioning you for promise. He is positioning you for purpose. He is positioning you for blessing. Why? Because He still chooses you. Because when He looks at you, he says, you have what it takes to be like me and to do what I do. He chooses you, and he will finish what he started. So, church, Jesus is setting you up. He's setting you up for restoration. He's going. He goes to a lot of trouble to orchestrate this encounter with Peter in which he would experience healing, forgiveness, and a restored relationship with Jesus. And this is his heart for us as well. He goes out to Peter and out of that experience comes forgiveness, healing, and restoration. Listen, he goes to you as well. Isn't it good that Jesus doesn't wait for us like to come to him, but that he comes to us? He is like the father, and the prodigal son, that when the father sees the prodigal son from a way off, he runs out to him. Pastor Jeff alluded to this last week in his message, right? That he is like that good father, that he goes to us, to embrace us, to welcome us, to invite us into that restored relationship. Listen, church, Jesus is setting you up to restore you, to release forgiveness, to release healing and to restore his relationship with you in whatever way you may need it. So listen, abandon your sin, let go of your guilt and your shame, because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, don't be like Luke chapter five, Peter, who distanced himself, but listen, jump into the water and move towards Jesus because he has forgiveness, healing, and restoration for you. I get the worship team to come on up just as I close up here. We're going to take a little bit of time and pray if that's okay. Finally, Jesus is setting you up for his purpose and for his presence. Remember I said how Jesus would ask a question, Peter would respond, but then there was a commissioning that followed that. And yes, Jesus wants to uh, set us up for restoration so that we experience forgiveness and healing in a restored relationship. But listen, City Church, Jesus is also setting you up for his presence and for his purpose. Knowing and following Jesus has always been both about presence and purpose. In Mark chapter 1 verses 13 to 14, Jesus, it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out. Listen, church, this is the invitation that Jesus has for you he's called you because he wants you and he wants you to be with him to experience his presence and he wants to send you out to be a light that will shine in the darkness of Albuquerque and will be a voice for the gospel because I don't know if you've heard but people need Jesus but Albuquerque needs Jesus the Albuquerque needs a coming of the kingdom of God and the presence of God in our neighborhoods, and in our workplaces, and in our families, and in our schools. Albuquerque needs Jesus. Which means Albuquerque needs a city church that is filled with people, men, women, young, old, who are living their lives. In pursuit of the presence of Jesus, and who are committed to stepping into God's purpose for our lives every day. We are a people on mission, called to be with Jesus, called to be sent out by Him. Called to be a people who are committed to the great commandment, that we will love God with our whole person, and that we will love one another as ourselves, love our neighbor as ourselves. We are called to be a great commission people. Those who will declare the good news of the kingdom of God to anyone and everyone. And a church that will give the world a vision of what it looks like when Jesus Christ is King. Listen, we live in a world, I don't know if you've noticed, there's a little bit of polarization going on around. Just a little, right? There's so much conflict, so much contention, so much of everybody doing what it seems right in their own eyes, that brings so much division, so much hurt, so much conflict, so much pain. And yet, you know what this is here today? I see a room full of people, men and women, young and old, all kinds of different ethnicities, which is such a beautiful thing. Why are we here? Not because we agree on everything about everything. But, but we're here because we agree on this. Jesus Christ is Lord. We are here because what we have in common is a shared allegiance to Jesus Christ and a commitment to one another and a commitment to the Great Commission to be a light that shines in the darkness and a voice for the gospel in Albuquerque. We are a people who are on mission. So, Church, city church, embrace the setup. Embrace the setup. Listen, I was saying to Pastor Steve and Barbara last night, we were having dinner, and I was saying to them in all of my years of being around church life and in church ministry, and I say this with as much honesty as I can muster. I don't know if it exists on a spectrum or not, but I have never been as excited about the future of the church as I am today. There's so many, listen, anyone can come up with all the causes for concern. But Jesus Christ is our cause for hope Jesus Christ is our cause for faith. Jesus Christ is our cause for anticipation and expectation that we are that as the people of God, we are about to see a move of the Holy Spirit that I believe will release a new season of the kingdom of God being manifested in our families and in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods and in our communities and beyond. So these are not days for us to shrink back. These are not days for us to admit defeat. These are not days for us to wallow in our shortcomings and in our failures and to believe all the excuses why the promises and the purposes won't come to fail, or won't, you know, won't come to pass. No, no. Let me tell you. Jesus says, I choose you. You have what it takes. So let's embrace the setup. Let's trust in God. He is setting you up, church, for restoration, for presence, and for purpose, because he still chooses you. So focus your attention on Jesus. Focus your attention on him. Let him restore you. Receive his forgiveness. As Marisa was saying, if um, there's a giant in your life that you know needs to come down, Receive the victory of God in your life to bring that giant to its knees, to cut off its head. If there's been sin in your life that you know has been holding you captive and holding you back, receive forgiveness today. Receive healing for your soul. Allow the Lord to restore your relationship to Jesus because He loves you and He is for you. Finally, embrace His promise and His purpose. Jesus has an assignment for you. Tomorrow, you wake up and you head out the door to wherever it's going to take you. He has an assignment for you because he's called you to participate with him in what he's doing in the world. He's called you to be a light that shines in the darkness and a voice for the gospel. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Thank you so much for your graciousness and receiving us this weekend. I look forward to meeting more of you. Can we take a couple minutes and just pray for people? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I want to do this, and maybe we'll invite. I know you have a wonderful prayer team, and I told them before I was going to let them stay back, but maybe if we can have them all come up to the front here. Because uh, we do want to pray for any of you that really want to have some specific prayer today, and that is this. Uh, I'm going to ask you, and so this is going to require a little bit of boldness on the part of some of you. But that's okay. We're in church and we all love one another. But if you're here today, and a you would say, you know what? Uh, my relationship with Jesus needs a work of restoration. There's been an elephant in the room between me and Jesus. Something that has come in between us, and I feel today that the Lord wants to deal with that and wants to release forgiveness. Healing and restore that relationship. If that's you, would you come on up to the front here? And some of our prayer team here would just love to pray with you today, that you would experience that forgiveness and that healing and that restoring that comes from Him. Secondly, if you are here today and you would simply say this, um, it's time for me to step forward and begin to uh, be a person who li- I want to be a person who lives my life in pursuit. of Of God's presence and his purpose I want to be that kind of person and I want to step up and just receive some prayer for greater grace greater anointing greater presence of the Holy Spirit in your life that you would be a person who is empowered by God's Spirit and anointing to be the person he needs you to be when you go out into that world would you come on up here today And we just want to pray for you for just a greater release of God's presence and anointing that's in your life, you can come on up here and we'll take some time and pray with you to that end. If you feel like there's a giant in your life that Marisa was sharing earlier, that giant that just it's been there too long and it needs to it needs to come down, and we can pray for you for that. Then would you come on up here and uh, and, and pray for that? Amen. So if that fits any of you. Come on up here and uh, and pray. Otherwise, if you want to linger here in God's presence for a few moments, and then I think, are you going to lead in a song? Yeah. Then they'll lead in a song, and uh, I hope to meet those of you that I haven't. hope to meet the rest of you later. Thank you, and God bless you.
3: Search the world. It couldn't fill me. those empty, tight treasures that fade never enough. You came.